So the Red Sea crossing, we just went through that in chapter 14. If you missed that study, please go back and listen to it. It's on our YouTube channel. I think it's one of the neatest studies that we've had in a long time because it is all about God and delivering his people. It is beautiful. It is gospel-saturated. It's very clear. It is the climax of the book of Exodus as a whole. But really, the Red Sea crossing is the story of what God can do without our help. How many of you guys think that God needs our help? Well, if I do this, then God can do what he wants to do. That's not biblical, guys. Um, sometimes we feel like our efforts are so vital to his plan. So the stories um, really are not recorded for our amazement. Do you guys know that? As we study through the Old Testament, it's not just like, whoa, awesome! That's cool, God did that way back then. You guys are in Romans Chapter 15, maybe, at the moment, before we go. Verse 4, what does it say? For whatever things were written before. So speaking of Genesis that we studied this last year, as we've been studying this year through the book of Exodus, why were they written, guys? It's for our learning, not our amazement, but for us to learn that through the patience and the comfort of scriptures, we might have hope. Do you guys know that God is a God of hope? And we have a hope that is real because God is that hope. He is the answer. He is the solution to every problem. He is our Savior, guys. And we are to abide now in faith, hope, and love. This is what we do is we abide in Jesus Christ, John 15, 5, right? We need to be abiding in him, and when we abide in him, we are going to have this hope. So when it comes to what Romans is telling us in chapter 15, this is written for instruction, that through the endurance, through the patience, through the study of the scriptures, guys, we're going to find the encouragement we need, that we might have hope. There's a world who's looking for hope, okay? Last week, I bumped into a gal. She had the Hope t-shirt on. That was two weeks ago. Hope t-shirt. And so cool because so many churches, Hope Church, right? Hope Ministries, Christian t-shirts, Hope, right? And I'm just like, hey, are you a Christian? No. Well, what's your Hope shirt about? What's your hope in? Hope for a better tomorrow. Oh, how's that going to work out? Because as a Bible believer, I know what tomorrow holds for the world. Like, are things getting better? No, and we're living the last days, man. People are in rebellion to God, and we are reaping the consequences of that. But there is a hope, and it's in a person. You can't have hope in hope. Think for a second. Does that work out? How has that worked out for us? It doesn't work. But that's the message today. But we have a greater message, because our hope is Jesus Christ. He is the prize. That's the good news, guys. It is him. It is a person. It is the living God. So we do have hope through the scriptures, and that's the beauty of being able to study through a book like this together as a church family, verse by verse, just looking at God's faithfulness, learning about who he is, what he says, what he says about us, what he's asking of us. So it's cool. We have hope. Because when I wait, (laughs) he fights. And when he fights, he wins. And when he wins, I learn. Sometimes, guys, we need to be placed in a spiritual cul-de-sac where we must face and deal with our problems. 
when we go through it, those trials, those hardships, aren't heart issues revealed in those times? Doesn't the junk kind of come out? I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know that was there. I didn't know my faith was faltering there. That stuff comes out. So often, guys, it isn't until we're placed in that intense uh, pressure cooker, let's say, before we look beyond ourselves and we look up and we look to God in whom we place our trust. So the Red Sea, guys, it opens and closes at the Lord's command in no one else's. One of the reasons for corporate worship is to remember that you're not alone. Okay, let's go to Exodus 15 now. We're going to work through this chapter this morning. Verse 1, it says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So they're singing to God. Whether it's the Red Sea crossing, which we saw in Exodus chapter 14, or us returning to church after a crazy global pandemic, this COVID stuff, whatever, it's important to worship the Lord. And it reminds us to connect to God. Yes, intellectually, but also, guys, emotionally. You guys know that it's okay to have emotions? Do you guys know why I know that's okay? Because God's created us with them, okay? And as we read the Psalms, our men's group on Thursday mornings, uh, we just got into Psalm 107. We're in the fifth part of the book of Psalms. And so much of the Psalms that have been written are songs of praise. They're written to be sung, but they deal so much with our emotions and the things we face and our struggles. And in the midst of those struggles, still trusting God, knowing that he is faithful. Even though things look bleak, even though I feel defeated, we have a God who's very much alive and has good in view. So the Psalms remind us of the same. So let's take a look at verse 1 and on, and I want to consider the first 21 verses. I want you guys to catch, we see God, we see the Lord himself, that he triumphs from redemption to rejoicing here. So let's take a look. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang a song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he has cast into the sea. He has chosen captains also and drowned in the sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. And your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in greatness of your excellence... You have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. And the depths uh, congealed the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. And you Blew with your wind, the sea covered them, and they sank 
like lead into mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretch out your hand, your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia, and the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them, and the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them, and by the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till your people pass over whom you have purchased. And you will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hand has established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For horses, the, the horses of Pharaoh They went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So if you guys catch verses 4 through 10 here, it's very clear that God is the one who conquered. It was God who did it. Okay, he conquered Pharaoh. And then in verses 14, 15, and 16, it's about how he's going to go and conquer other nations, and they have been conquered, which is really faith singing here, right? Because faith is not what we see. We walk by faith, not by sight. So it's future events that haven't happened yet. So they are looking out the long road here and looking in faith as if it had already happened. Isn't that kind of cool? Should we do the same? Absolutely. Because God's been faithful. Do you guys know that? Can I get an amen? He's been faithful. Sometimes we're facing stuff and we don't know if he's going to be faithful. How are you going to work this out, God? Where are you, God? What are you doing, God? But I know for me at least, I can look back at all those times I've questioned him and he's been faithful every single time to see me through. He's been faithful to his word all along. So that's something we get to do, brothers and sisters. If you're new in the Lord, just watch and see. God is good. He does work things out for good. Maybe not as quickly as we want. (laughs) Maybe we hope and wish that it wasn't so hard. Not that type of trial. Why this trauma? Anyways, we see the faithfulness of God. Um... Let's see if this moves on.
it's not changing. There we go. Oh, it's the cool effects again. The Lord is a man of war. I want to hit on this for a second because a lot of people have a hard time with verse 3 here. Um, they're actually singing about God being a warrior. I think that's pretty cool, huh? Right? Because today, I mean, we look, hey, who, who is Jesus? Who is God? Well, he's a hipster, right? <laughs> you know? Hippie Jesus. No, he is a man of war, guys, and he shall reign over his enemies. So to be a God of love and catch this, guys, God must also be a God of war. Logically, it has to be. See, when the Israelites were fleeing because of the heavenly armed professional troops, God acts as a warrior on their behalf. He loves his people. You're the apple of my eye, okay? I love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do this. I think it's cool. Have you guys ever heard the term Lord of Hosts as you read your Bibles? I hope so because I didn't count them. I wish I would have taken the time to look up, but I would guess there's hundreds of references in the Old Testament to the Lord being the Lord of Hosts. Do you guys know what host means? The Lord of Armies. He's a man of war. Do not miss that in the scriptures, guys. Okay, this is our God. And I love it, and we've lost it for some reason today in the church. How many of you guys know the hymn, Onward Christian Soldier? Okay? I don't hear that sung a whole lot. The Reformation, a mighty fortress is our God. Why don't we sing more songs like that? That he is strong in battle. That he is a man of war. Because that's what we see in the first song in the Bible. That is who our God is. And it is good to sing and remember those realities. I want you guys to take a look up here. We're going to look together at Psalm 136, verses 11 through 15. Okay? Um, and this is a song where you will respond. Okay? Otherwise, a call and response or a tiffinal singing. Okay? That's how they would go through this psalm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the white. And you guys are going to read the red. You guys ready? Let's do it. Verse 11 says, He brought Israel out of Egypt. He acted with a strong hand and a powerful arm. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. He led Israel safely through. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. Man, you guys had the easy parts. <laughs> but that's the point, isn't it? That's what the Lord wants us to get, that his faithful love endures forever. Do you guys know that God loves you? He loves you. There's nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. We, if you are a parent, you get a little glimpse of that, okay? Because our children, they can disobey. They can be naughty. Do we stop loving them? Okay? And that's our human love, <laughs> you know? God's love is so much greater, and he loves us, guys. And that's one of those things as we study the word of God, you're going to see that. And because he is a God of love, God is love, he has to be a man of war also. 
So let's take a look at verse 20. I want to hit on Miriam for a second. This is the sister of Moses. It told us here that it's the sister of Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother. Uh, She's the only woman that's been designated as a prophetess in all of the Torah. The only one. And I like here that the women had brought tambourines with them, obviously confident that they would eventually use them to celebrate God. Really? We're packing up. (laughs) We're leaving Egypt, the world. God is setting us free. Pack light. It's going to be quite a a walk. Okay? What am I going to bring with? You're going to grab your tambourines? Really? That speaks to faith, doesn't it? They, were, they knew they were going to be celebrating a great deliverance. And I think that's how we ought to be packing in this life, guys. Knowing that God has good in view, that there is going to be celebration. Oh, yeah, it might not look good at the moment. I'm in the world, okay? They're after me, okay? My life might be taken. What's going on? What's set before us, guys? There is a promised land. Man, let's be eternally minded. It is good. So, um, Let's move on. The Lord who heals. Okay, let's take a look at verse 22. Okay, we're going to see here now from rejoicing now to, what do you do? God's delivered us. We're rejoicing, worshiping. Let's complain. (laughs) Catch what they did here. Verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there... He made a statue, our statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Wow. So it's very easy for us to sing when circumstances are comfortable. Hey, things are going well. Praise the Lord. I got this. He's doing that. Things are well. Guys, but it takes faith to sing when we're suffering. Takes faith. And remember, God is always able to change your circumstances, but I believe he would rather change you. Let me say that again. God can change our circumstances, just like that if he wanted. But he loves you. And I don't know about, the, about you, but the chastening of the Lord, whom the Lord loves, he will chasten. And he's promised to complete a work in us. Okay, we've been born again, a new creation, and the Bible talks about this sanctification process that he's going to take us through. Yeah, he wants to change us, guys. And often we do the most change through hard times. Okay? So, the first crisis in the desert we saw in verses 22 to 26. Okay, this is on the way to Mount Sinai. I want us to catch that. The law hasn't been given yet. The crisis was from a lack of water. 
The second was a lack of food. The third, a lack of water again. And the third is going to be attacked by a desert tribe. And in all of it, we're going to see God's providential care. He cares. He is there. He will see you through. Even in the darkest hour, he is there. This section, guys, covers the people's repeated uh, ingratitude and their lack of faith. So no matter what God did for them, the response seems to be, but what have you done for me lately? Great, you just delivered us. We were slaves and in bondage, being cruelly treated. You just delivered us. And we have some other complaints now. Wow. Don't you guys love our human nature? No. Again, Romans 15, 4, these things have been written for our learning. Don't we do the same thing in our relationship? We come to faith in Christ. We are now his kids. We've been forgiven our sins. We've been born again. We're new creations. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We can now see things more clearly. And even though that we know that God is good, that he's faithful to his word and his promises, man, that human nature that we still have, that flesh that wars against the spirit, how often do we give in to the flesh and we start complaining? I'm not getting my way. They did me wrong. Finances stink right now. I have this trial. And we start complaining. So what can we learn from the word of God that we may have hope, guys? So I don't know if you caught it. Verse 22, it took them a whole three days to forget. We're a forgetful people. And that's one thing that I love. We just looked at Psalm 136. Okay? I told you guys earlier, us men have been going through the book of Psalms. Do you guys know how often the Exodus story account is referred to? Like, you need to remember, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget. That's when we partake in communion, we remember what the Lord has done. Do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we are quick to forget. I love you. And I demonstrate my love for you by hanging on the cross. I've not rejected you. I receive you. I love you. We need to remember that. Because how many of us are walking around in that condemnation of how I've fallen short. I blew it again. God's rejected me. We need to be careful. And that's why I think it's good for you and I to often take a step back. Because when we're in the middle of the trial, the circumstances are raging around us and they are not good ones, <laughs> it can be overwhelming. And that's where I think we need to take time often to step back. Let's look at the big picture. This life is temporal. Seasons, they come and go. Trials, yes, they are hard but they do pass eventually. And even if they don't pass, even if it is this until the day I die or I get raptured, you know what? The truth is, big picture, this life's but a vapor. Okay? It goes quick. My brother-in-law just turned 45. That's old, dude. 40, he's halfway if he makes it to 90. Okay? Life goes by quick. So quick. I got a kid going into high school already. How did that happen? You've already done that. I'm going to need some counseling. So, (laughs) 
But it helps when we step back and look at the big picture. Because it is this. But what is God up to? What's his big plan? What's the mission? Why am I here? What do I have to sing about, right? Because really, guys, when we step back, okay, we're going to end our complaining and we're going to start expressing our gratitude. This is what we have to do as human beings because this is our human nature. When we're in it, we're overwhelmed. We want to fix it, get it done right then and there. But when we step back, that's when we have eternal perspective. That's when we find ourselves waiting on the Lord. God, you're going to do. You're a man of war. You're going to fight for us. Okay? So we would all do well to consider writing a thank you note every time that we send out a letter of complaint. Okay? How many of you guys have ordered something from that website or that company and you got it and it was junk and it didn't work or it came broken or you had it for three hours and it broke already? What do you do? I'm sending out a complaint. This is horrible. Okay, and I'm giving a horrible review because you guys are horrible. We complain easily, don't we? How about for every time we complain, we make a point to write a note of thankfulness, of gratitude. Sound like a good idea? Because God's wills give thanks in all things. Wow. That's what you want us to do. And when we do give thanks, our hearts change, guys. Perspectives change. And I think we're looking at big picture things. So what do we have to be thankful for? See, we all do well to consider the Lord. Speak something positive for every time that we say something negative. Maybe you criticize your spouse more than you compliment them. Maybe you show disapproval of your kids more than you, you know, give approval of them. Maybe you're good at finding fault with a co-worker or workers more than you praise them. You see, if we look at the last part of verse 25 into 26 here, um, we see a truth that I think we need to learn and understand. God doesn't always protect religious people from illness. Some of us think, hey, (laughs) I'm a child of God. He should heal me. It should come. He doesn't protect us from bad health or early death. You see, this verse doesn't say that if the Israelites observe all that the Lord commanded, all of his laws, that they will never suffer disease. It only says that God will not bring upon them the other diseases that he had brought upon the Egyptians. Do you guys know there's a lot of false teaching out there today? This is one of those areas. We've got to rightly divide the word. What does God actually say? There's simply no correlation between religiosity and being protected from illness. Okay, many non-religious people, many evil people, I've seen live long lives and be healthy. Okay? So if God really did protect religious people from illness, why would any rational person not be religious? Okay, faith no longer would be faith, right? So if you knew being religious, uh, you would never get cancer or heart disease, okay? Um, that would not be faith decision. It would be a health care decision. So we have seen those who hold to the belief that really holy people, they don't get sick, 
okay? And it leads to a very unsympathetic, even judgmental response like, hey, if you only had a deeper faith, then you wouldn't have gotten such a disease. You wouldn't be going through this, which makes a victim, say, of cancer or a heart attack doubly victimized. It's not good. We have a church, literally, if you take this street down a little ways, you'll find a church that teaches you if you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. God will heal you. I had a meeting with a gal from that church years ago. Um, She had been teaching up in the jail, and I had to tell her that she was done being a volunteer. You can't be part of the jail ministry anymore because what you're teaching is a lie. It's false. It's not Bible truth. And she told me as a result of that that I was going to be cursed. She prophesied over me. My ministry is done. The jail ministry is going to fall apart. But praise be to God, the jail ministry was, ended up being probably tenfold of what it was. God blessed and grew it and worked mightily. And it's still going on today. Instead of one part-time chaplain a few years back, we have now two full-time chaplains doing ministry up there. Um, <clears throat> but the thing that we were talking about is she really believed in these healings. Okay, If you have faith, you will never be sick. And if she would teach some of the gals up in the jail, if you have enough faith... When you go before your sentence and you go before the judge, if you lay claim to God's promises and you have enough faith, you will not be going to prison. You will be set free. Can you see how such a false teaching, a bad teaching, could derail a brand new born-again sister in the Lord who had just come to faith and was mistaught? And she goes and she gets sentenced for six years. Well, wait a minute. I was told God was going to set me free if I had faith, and I had faith. God doesn't teach that, guys. That's false teaching. And it's sad to say that three weeks after we had our meeting, she died of a massive heart attack. You'd have to question, false teacher, where was your faith then? You believe that should never have happened to you. You should have never seen death, actually, if that's what you really believe. Guys, we need to be careful to rightly divide the word of God. What does God say? So if you're going through it today, don't think that God doesn't love you. We live in a fallen world. We will have sickness. We will go through pain. But God is there. He is there for us. We can lean into him. The thing that I do love when we're rightly dividing the word of truth, there is a complete healing that the people of God will have completely one day. It's not yet. (laughs) And that's the hard thing when we look to the scriptures because we see the realities of the kingdom in part here. But it hasn't come fully. But we do know there will be a day when there is no more pain, no more sorrow. Everything is going to be made right. And we're going to be made whole. I look forward to that. There is a promised land, guys. And that is eternity. And again, if we step back and look at the big picture, maybe God will grant the healing right now, and he does once in a while. But if he doesn't, you know what? That's okay. Because I have eternity set before me. I have big picture, and it's going to be glorious. And we know that to be true. We have a hope. And that's why we cling 
to Jesus. We continue to hold on. That's why we share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, let's finish this up, because we need to worship a little more. Um, The Lord refreshes, in verse 27, from complaining to refreshing. They came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. I think he ends this with this verse to show us that life is not always battles in bitter waters. You see, God brings us to these refreshing oasises from time to time. Sometimes we want it all the time, right? (laughs) But it's only from time to time. And for this, we should praise him. But remember, we cannot linger at Elam. Okay, we are pilgrims. We are not residents. We're just passing through, guys. And if we're trying to have our best life now, you're not looking at the big picture. You're not believing the word of God. Okay? So we need to rethink worship, and I want to conclude with doing that with you guys this morning. Everyone should sing to the Lord. Okay? As we consider Exodus 15, we are made to sing. Okay? Um, The first song in the Bible Okay, that's right here, Exodus 15. And it really should be a pattern of what true worship looks like. You guys catch that it emphasized the Lord and who he is and what he has done for his people. So they all learned, okay, rehearsed it and sang it. And then we see in Revelation 15, 3 and 4, it mentions the song of Moses there, okay, in Scripture, and also the song of the Lamb, okay. That's the last song in all of the Bible. So did you see that God is in to being content, right? This is a rich song. The lyrics, we need to get this, okay. Worship isn't mood music, okay. I'm not against good sounding music. I love good music. Um, I drive an older vehicle, but it's got a really good sound system in it. I like to worship the Lord. I like good music. But it's not to be about mute music, okay? A few years back, I went through a really, really hard season, struggling with depression deeply. And there was a song by Bobby McFerrin that uh, I listened to over and over again. Again, you guys know the 80s is the best decade of all time. In 1988, he wrote a song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? You know what? It had a catchy tune. It once in a while would help my mood, but it never fixed anything, you know? And I know as a Christian, I need to be happy because I know my Jesus is happy. I know that I have a joy unspeakable. I know I have a hope that most of the world doesn't have a clue of. There's much. But I still felt down, discouraged, didn't want to go on. And hey, a mute, mute, hey, fun song, catchy, but it only lasted a few minutes, right? Because life is still there. I still feel this way. So guys, um, When it comes to singing praise to the Lord, did you guys catch that it's about his salvation? That's what they were singing. It's not about my happiness. It's about who he is. It's about what he has done. His judgment, his mercy, his sovereignty. So our praise, guys, should come from the Holy Spirit. Whoops, I went one ahead. 
Ephesians, jot down chapter 5, verse 18. It tells us here, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Okay? Don't we do stupid stuff when we drink? Yep. Instead, be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. That's the contrast. Hey, you want to live the spiritual life? You know? Don't be drunk. <laughs> be filled with what? The Spirit of the Lord. Don't you guys ever think it's weird you walk by a bar and it says, Spirit served here? Whoa! What kind of spirits? We are a holy people. We should be holy as he is holy, set apart. And we're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit of God, what are we going to do? Singing, right? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music to the Lord in your hearts. It should be there and it should be cultivated there, okay? And I've been feeling, you know, we had a short season last year. My family, we got a bunch of hold of a bunch of hold hymnals, and we take turns sharing hymns and singing hymns together. And I don't know, whatever, for whatever reason, we stopped doing that. And I'm just like, what, why would Satan move us away from, like, what did he, how did that happen? Because we saw that it was a good thing. Truths, as a family, singing to the Lord together. Beautiful thing, but how easily the enemy will get us away from singing to the Lord. And there's times, guys, when I'm in a car, you know, even though I have a cool sound system in there, plays fun-sounding music, praise music most of the time, I just turn it off because I'm going to sing to the Lord. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, I know how you sound. We'll get to that in a second. But the point is, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit and sing. It doesn't matter how you sound. Okay. Yesterday we were going over to Woodcraft in Appleton for a family day. The radio was off, which is rare again. And I asked my youngest child, hey, sing a hymn. She starts singing, good God almighty, even though it's not a hymn. <laughs> but she knew every single word to that song. And as she started to sing, my heart was turned in praise to my God, who is almighty. How can we not praise him for what he's done? in the morning, in the new time, even at night, guys, all the time. One more scripture from Colossians 3 this time, verse 16. Let the message about Christ and all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thanksgiving. Guys, we need to know songs in order to sing songs together. Okay, that's why corporate worship is so important. So if we put these two references together, we should worship him in spirit. Have you guys caught that? And in truth. Hey, Pastor Leon, that sounds like John chapter 4, verse 24. Oh, boy. That's because it is. That's what Jesus has asked us to do. That's what Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 has spoken to us. So good music is portable theology. Let me say that again. Good music is portable theology. Man, when I'm going through the storm, start singing a praise song. Man, let praise be upon your lips. Sing to the Lord. It takes home theology, guys. How many of you guys hear a song here? I catch myself doing it. Okay, because some of the songs we sing here aren't songs that I listen to on my good sound system. Okay. But every once in a while, there's a song that just really resonates with my spirit. And I catch myself just in the middle of the week. We sing that song on Sunday morning. And it's there. 
And you just start worshiping the Lord. So take it home with you. You're able to go back all week long and sing of truths. But I don't have a good voice. Well, listen up, guys. We don't sing to God because we have good voices, because we do it because you're saved. You are saved. Because he has done something radical in your life and because you just got overwhelmed by his love. That's why we sing, guys. So, I don't like to sing. Well, Revelation chapter 5 says everyone will be singing unto the Lamb. So you better get used to it, guys. We're all going to be doing it. And actually, the only place that there isn't singing, hell. And how many... Satan is so good at blinding people, guys. Have you ever talked to somebody? I would rather go to hell because that's where the party's going to be at. If all those rock and rollers, man, the concerts in hell are going to be rad. No, there's no concerts. There is no singing. It is outer darkness and torment, eternal fire. It's hell. Stop believing the lies of your father. Satan, boo. Do not be ignorant of his schemes, guys. He's a turkey. So, we don't sing because we have a good voice. We sing because of what God has done for us. Amen? That'll bring us to the last point here this morning. Actually, second to last point. Sing about him and to him. Okay? The first five verses sing about the Lord in this song. So we sing about him and what he has done. My strength, right? My song. My salvation. And then in verse 6, it shifts then to personal pronoun, your right hand, O Lord. So they sing about him and to him. And we'll do the same in a few minutes. And that brings us to the last point this morning. We sing about his glory and his salvation. You guys notice how the attributes and the characteristics of God are displayed here? This is for our learning. (laughs) This is who he is. And did you guys note that when it says Lord, it's all capital, L-O-R-D, okay? That's throughout the song, the entire song. Why? Because it's the Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. You guys get this. The idea is that God is to be. He is God, okay? He's self-existent, self-sufficient. He needs nothing. He doesn't need anyone, and he still will use anyone, That's pretty cool. So that's what we get to put into practice now, okay? Our worship service isn't over. We're going to sing together corporately. But what do you praise him for? What do you praise him for? Lord, thank you that Culver's has really Reese's flavor of the day. So good. See, I'm getting... Testimony, amen, comfort, witness. That's how the Churchills roll once in a while. But then I feel that, man, that's shallow. Really? Like, it's good to give thanks in all things. Like waking up in the morning, thank you that I have toothpaste. You know what I'm talking about? We can give thanks in all the little things. But again, God, thank you for being you. Thank you for being on the throne and in control. that you were willing to come and save us because we couldn't save ourselves. Such a great salvation. What a great Savior we have. 
and then speak of the attributes of God. Earlier this week, Shalom and I put up a bunch of posters going down to our children's ministry. I would encourage you guys, take some time and just walk slowly down our stairs in the coming weeks. We put up 10 different attributes of God, what they mean, and then scriptures that speak to each one of those. It's geared towards children, but I was blessed and reminded about the goodness of who God is. Okay? So, Another question to ask ourselves is what is he or what has he done and what is he presently doing in your life? Even in the hard things, you can praise him. So are we ready to sing about him and to him? I know I am. Why don't we stand and we'll have the worship team come back up. first song we're going to do speaks about what a wonderful or a beautiful name, what a wonderful name, what a powerful name the name of Jesus is. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is.
seated for a moment. I came in this morning and these guys were uh, rehearsing, practicing, warming up for this morning and they were singing a song I hadn't heard before. Um, I'm like, wow. That's Exodus 15. This is perfect. And they were going to do it earlier but I told them I wanted them to save it for the last song of our time together. Before they play it, I just want to consider with you guys and take the liberty as your pastor, as a brother in the Lord, to speak specifically to things that are going on in our family. Because there are things in this life that we're going to go through and we're going to face. Some of us are in very different seasons, but we are family. And that's one thing I love about the scripture. It speaks to us. Exodus 15 spoke to us today. And if the Lord tarries and we go through Exodus 15 again someday, it'll speak to us again, but it might speak to us in different ways. Why? Because the word of God is living and powerful. We're called to sing. Miriam and the gals had their tambourines ready. They knew the opportunity would come to worship the Lord, to praise him, to sing to him of his goodness and his faithfulness. Even in facing something as horrific as having the armies of Egypt, the world, coming after them. 
and an obstacle of a great sea set before them. And they knew that they were going to have to cross over, but how are we going to cross over? And God will open up the sea, and he will allow you to walk through on dry land. And it's easy to praise him when we get to the other side because we can look and say, hey, (laughs) look what he's brought us out of. He's delivered us. He has saved us just like he said he was going to do. And one day, brother and sister, we will enter that promised land. And we will be rejoicing together. And I will have a good voice to sing to the Lord at that time. It's going to be beautiful and wonderful. But until we get there, guys, we have an opportunity. Because some of us are facing hard things. Some of us relationally are going through things. Some of us have a marriage that's falling apart. Some of us don't even want to live any longer. Some of us want to live, but we have cancer, and we're facing that. Guys, there is opportunity for you and I in those hard things to exercise a faith that is pleasing to God. Because faith trusts the Lord even in the really hard stuff. Faith will say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen with mom and dad. But kids, I'm going to continue to love the Lord, to trust the Lord, to love my husband. That you can see a godly example of what it looks like. Even though it is hard and I don't know what's going to happen, I have an opportunity for greatness. Because those opportunities for greatness, biblically speaking, guys, the heroes of the faith, Wasn't it situations that were really hard when they shone through and did mighty things in the name of the Lord to bring glory to his name? Yeah. It wasn't when things were good and easy in life. And those hard things. We only get a few opportunities in life, guys, for great opportunity to shine for Jesus. You have cancer. How are you going to approach that? Because the world is watching, Christian. They're looking in. You're a believer in Jesus. Now this really horrible thing has happened. Something really bad. You may die. What are you going to do? Are you going to trust the Lord? Believe in him? Press into him? Or allow that disease to get the best of you? The loss of a loved one. I want to remarry one day. I have that desire, and that's a good desire. But in the waiting, how am I responding to the Lord? How am I trusting the Lord? How do I get to shine the opportunity to walk and shine for Jesus in those hard things? How do I do that? When you feel like there's nothing left living for, things are too overwhelming, things have gotten too hard, All I find myself doing is complaining. There's a great opportunity when life gets that hard and that overwhelming to trust God will work these things out for good because that's what he's promised. Because he loves me and I love him, he has this promise. Guys, we all have our stuff. We're all going through things, but I want to encourage you to sing 
Sing to the Lord. Sing when you're in jail. You guys know Paul and Silas there, Acts 16? They were literally in jail. Are we going to be put to death? And they're singing. And we know the earth shook that day. And the doors of the jail opened that day. And we know the jailer there was tripping out because, oh no, all the doors are open, all the the prisoners have escaped. And for a jailer to lose an inmate or whatever they called him back then, punishable of death. And the man was about to take his own life. And you guys know the story. The Apostle Paul, there that night, singing praise to God even though they were locked up in jail, didn't know what the future held, how things were going to shake out. The doors were shaken. The doors were open. They had opportunity to flee. I think you and I would probably take off, right? Oh, God answered our prayers. This is our out. But they stayed, and Paul said to the jailer, hey, don't take your own life. Stop. We are all here. Wow. An opportunity for greatness. You guys ever catch that? They were all there. One thing for Paul and Silas, believers in Jesus Christ, to hang back and stay. But all that were with him, they saw their witness in something really hard, uncertain future. They were praising, they were singing to the living God and trusting in him despite the situation. We have an opportunity for greatness, guys. I don't know about you, but that's how I've been really praying lately for our fellowship, that we wouldn't miss what God is asking us to do. Even in the hard things in life, that we would run with those opportunities. I think of David, the armies of Israel standing before the Philistines, and there's a giant there. What were they doing? They were complaining. Look at these Philistines. Look at this giant. They're going to do us in. Where are you, God? Opportunity for greatness. A boy. I'll go. Send me. We all have those giants, guys. We also have opportunities with those giants. But you don't understand, Pastor, (laughs) because that is a giant problem that I'm facing. It's a giant headache. I know the giant slayer. It wasn't David. The Lord was with him. What giants are set before you guys? What greatness is there? Because let me tell you what, we reflect and we talk highly of this man David, this boy David who took down this giant. He just stepped out in faith. I know my God. I know what he has said. Who is this uncircumcised chicken monkey? This, <laughs> that's nothing for my God. You guys get what I'm saying? We have opportunity. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We only get a few. Do it right. Trust Jesus. Shine for him.
be believing. Allow God to work. Because let me tell you what, there's very few that will actually take the opportunity. Because the 99 will just continue to murmur and complain and live in defeat rather than looking at the opportunity. Man, it's hard. It is hard, guys. But it's an opportunity to shine for Jesus. It's an opportunity to leave a legacy. It's an opportunity, guys, to put God on display in a glorious way. So I encourage you guys, sing. Not when it's easy. When the sea is parted and we walk through on dry land and we got through the other side, hey, the relationship's been reconciled or maybe not, but at least we're past it, we're over it. You know, the treatment worked, I'm still alive. I got me a wife. Man, the depression was really bad, but I eventually got through it. The opportunity to sing when we don't yet see how things are going to work out. That is a faith that is beautiful. And that, brother and sister, is a faith the world is going to see in action. Amen? So, with that being said, and that's kind of this new song. I, had, I didn't even hear I just caught the tail end of it. <laughs> but this song they were singing, I think, really speaks to that. So why don't we stand to our feet and we will close with this. all my questions but you hear me when I speak you don't keep my heart from breaking but when it does you weep with me you're so close that I can feel you when I've lost the words to pray Though my eyes have never seen you, I've seen enough to say, I know that you are good, I know that you are kind, I know that you are so much more than what I know that I am love. I know that I am saved. Cause even in the fire to live is Christ, to die is gain. I know that you are Understand the sorrow, but you're calm within the storm. Sometimes this weight is overwhelming, but I don't carry it alone. You're still so close when I can't feel you, I don't have to be afraid. 
though my eyes have never seen you, I've seen enough to say. I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I know that you are so much more than what I leave behind. I know that I am loved. I know that I am Even in the fire to live is Christ, to die is gain. I know that you are good. On my darkest day, from my deepest pain, through it all my heart will choose to sing your praise on my darkest day from my deepest pain through it all my heart will choose to sing your praise on my darkest day, from my deepest pain, through it all my heart will choose to sing your praise. I know that you are good, I know that you are I know that you are so much more than what I leave behind. I know that I am loved. I know that I am saved. Cause even in the fire to live is Christ, to die is gain. I know that you are good. I know that you are good. I know that you are Father, we know that you are good, God, though we may be in a, a dark, damp dungeon, we choose to sing, because you are good, you can be trusted, I do pray and ask, Father, just for a grace for each and every one of us, especially those who do find themselves in the midst of the storm, the trial, the hardship, God, may we shine well for you, Jesus keep in the faith that this world would see that you are good that you can be trusted what a savior you are what a hope we have to share with this world 
So please, Heavenly Father, go before my brothers and sisters. God, I would pray, as I often do, that you protect us from the evil one. But in the midst of the trials and the suffering, we know that there is fellowship with you. We know that you're doing things behind the scenes, things we don't even know of. But we know that you're working it out for good. And we are so thankful for that, Father. Thank you for your word today, God. Give us, Lord, uh, just a grace to see those opportunities when the doors are open. May we be a church family, God, that really is on mission, that is shining well for you. God, and help us to love each other and to serve each other in it. Lord, what a blessing it was for Paul to have Silas. Lord, a brother to be singing with. What a privilege and a blessing and honor it is for us to be able to gather together regularly and to sing your praise together. The blessing of corporate worship truly is a gift. Thank you so much for this church family. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. If anybody needs prayer, please hit up me or one of the elders. We'd love to pray with you guys. God bless you.